Skin and Sass, the podcast talking all things skin with a side of sass. Proudly brought to you by KGA Body. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Skin and Sass. I'm Andy Paulson, and I have with me, as always, the lovely Kelly George. And this episode is titled The Alienization of Faces, How to Look Like You Again. What on earth are we talking about? Well, we are talking about faces that maybe have taken a bit of a weird turn. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's someone you know. Maybe that's a celebrity you've seen on socials. But we have a very special guest to talk to us today, a nurse practitioner, Kelly Beasley. This is going to be confusing because... Kelly Beasley, sorry. Um, it's going to be confusing because yeah. we've got two Kellys on there. So we're, we're going to be referring KB and KG or George, <laughs> as we like to call her. But Kelly, firstly, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here. So, Kelly, I can call you Kelly because I am Kelly. <laughs> yeah. KB, <laughs> KB. Um, thank you again for coming. So for those of you who don't know who Kelly is, she is a nurse practitioner and she's kind of all over the place a little bit like me, which is really, I mean, I think that's probably why I feel like I know her and I bond with her. And yeah. by all over the place, you don't mean like mentally kind of unstable. Uh, or well, just... maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she, a little bit. <laughs> no, she, you know, she has her own clinic. She also does a lot of training. She's traveling around all over the place. Training, okay, training I people you. Geographically all over the place. Particularly <laughs> you do train people in dermal filler. And I, one thing I love about Kelly, and she's quite vocal about this on um, social media, is that she won't train people if they don't know their anatomy. So mm. you're not shoving needles in people's faces if you can't list arteries and, and where they are and, and locate them on someone's face. And I just think that's amazing because I think there are a lot of injectors out there who kind of just have a stab in the dark and, and don't know it as in-depth as they should. A and literal so, stab in the literal dark. literal stab in I the dark. I love that. So, Kelly, maybe you could just tell us a bit about yourself. So where, where you're from and where's your clinic? How long have you been yeah, an injector absolutely. for? <laughs> so I have been injecting for about 12 years. I actually did my grad cert in 2009. And, um, yeah, I've been a nurse practitioner for the last couple of years. I'm based in Brisbane. And like um, Kelly George said, I do training. Um, <laughs> I do training. I fly around Australia and train doctors, dentists and nurses, as well as doing my own clinic and yeah, I'm really passionate about anatomy and safety. So I just think if I was the patient or if my family, friends and loved ones were the patients, I don't want people poking needles in their face if they don't know what they're doing. So I really think that as clinical trainers, we have a big onus to, you know, promote safety. So you, when you say you're a clinical trainer, so you're actually flying around training other people on how to inject. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And can I just say this, you I mean, you're a perfect example for why we're using you to talk about this particular concept today, because I, as a injector, have a lot of clinical trainers in and out of my clinic. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, their faces are very, very dumb. Whereas Kelly, KB, she, you know, <laughs> beautiful and probably some subtle tweaks in there. I'm sure you'd be openly admit that, oh, but, but very <laughs> natural looking results and and just subtle tweaks that kind of help anti-age. And that's a huge thing because these clinical trainers that are out there training, sometimes they walk in your door and you're like, oh, 
And, you know, you've invited a patient in to be a model for the day mm-hmm. and to do the training. And sometimes my patients look at the trainer and go, oh, my God, please. Freaking out. Like, I don't yeah. want to look yeah. like that. And so when you say done, so we're talking yeah. about particularly fillers, right? So we're talking about people who have had fillers and maybe had a bit too much. Like, how do you, Kelly, KB, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is very confusing. How do you define, like, the alienization or that kind of people t- faces taking a bit of a turn for the strange? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting concept, isn't it? And I think I don't think there's a real set definition. It's just that people just don't look quite right, or mm. they don't look quite normal anymore. And I think this um, the obsession we got at the moment with big cheeks, big um, chins, pointy chins, and mm. really cut jawlines yeah. is really um, lending itself to that alienization. And I think it's just when people don't look quite normal. It's one of my biggest fears being in this industry. And I say to my colleague, my friend injectors, if I start to look weird, please tell me, please mm. tell me. So I think because when you're aware of it, it um, you become hypervigilant to it. Yeah, agreed. So one of the, um, I watched you speak last year at an event, at a conference, a big conference, and you presented the concept of perception drift and I just resonated with it so beautifully because I thought that's exactly what happens sometimes it's not the patient's fault well it's probably it's never the patient's fault really because a lot of the time we put the this blame on the patient like oh they've got body dysmorphia oh they've done this oh they've got that but actually sometimes you just don't really know and you put your hands in sorry you put your face in the hands of a trusted professional and things just start to go wrong. And so I, I loved the concept of perception drift because it was like, that's exactly what can happen. You think a little bit made you look a little bit better and then a little bit will make you look a little bit better and then next minute none of it's making you look good at all. So can you just talk to us a little bit about, I guess, if you could go back to that talk that you did um, and obviously yeah. without giving away patient details, just talk us through a little bit of that particular patient's journey because I personally found it powerful and I think everyone will. Yeah, she um, is a very dear patient to me and still is a patient of mine. So this um, gorgeous lady, um, late 50s, come to see me, concerned with a little line near her lip, um, and she wanted some more filler. And the minute she walked through the door, I thought, ooh, there's something not right here. Your features are overblown. You are definitely overfilled. And I said, no, um, I can't. I can't give you any more filler because I think it will make you look worse and possibly um, we need to do a little bit of dissolving because I think you might be a little full in with your filler. And so over some gentle conversations over a couple of sessions with her, um, she really understood and, and disclosed to me that she did realise that she was a little bit overfilled, but she didn't know what to do because every injector she went to see, and she's probably guilty of injector hopping, but... I understand because she wasn't happy, but every injector she saw just added more filler and added Mm. more filler and nobody gave her a a real solution to what was going on. And she ended up disclosing to me that the people at work were gossiping about her and telling her that saying that she looked weird and she just didn't know what to do about it. So it was a really, um, a really emotional case for me Mm. because I just thought this poor woman needs help. And it was a tricky one to address because telling someone they look weird is not the easiest thing in the world yeah. to do. Um, but we got there and um, she agreed to go on the journey of dissolving and she looks 
amazing nowadays absolutely amazing she looks better than me she's 15 (laughs) years older than me and she's absolutely stunning yeah one of the things i notice the most when i dissolve people uh, and yes we do eventually dissolve people dissolve, dissolve <laughs> like them. erase them from the planet <laughs> watch out or I'll dissolve you <laughs> don't dissolve me sorry dissolve if only it was that easy <laughs> dissolve dermal filler in people's faces you know they're always really really fearful of that time frame in between dissolving and re-injecting because they're very very scared of what they're going to look yeah. like but in my experience 99% of the time they actually feel so much better even just taking it out and putting them back to where they used to be or what they're supposed to look like it's this sigh of like oh I look like me again and they're really so happy about it so interesting I mean I know I had some um again we're not going to talk about me so much but I had some tear trough filler done and this is a number of years ago and it was constantly like you know it just wasn't sitting right it was a combination of a few things perfect storm and then aging around the filler and um, it bothered me but I sort of didn't want to again I was nervous about dissolving the filler because I thought what am I going to look like without this that I've had for so long it's not so bad it's only when I smile and it kind of bunches and you can see it in photos I did need it dissolved, but I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off because, you know, for all of the reasons that you've just mentioned. And I had it dissolved and I looked in the mirror and again, I was like, I look 10 years younger. It was bizarre. And I I haven't gone down, I have not um, injected my tear drops again since then. Um, And I just goes to show. Well, she wasn't a good candidate for tear drop filler in the first place, (laughs) which is why she shouldn't have had it. But of course, you know, working for Allegan. And you do, you put your hand up to be a model with inexperienced injectors. And, and, you know, like I think that at that point in time, it seemed like the right thing to do. But again, like you can't necessarily blame the patient because even an educated patient will do something that maybe is not their best treatment for them at that point in time. And that's why, you know, having somebody like yourselves, both Kellys, I think it's really important to help gently take the patient on that journey of realisation and, and consulting and being a, um, a trusted advisor mm. and a trusted mm. consult in terms of, you know what, I know that you don't believe me right now, but if we get rid of some of this, I guarantee you, mm. you are going to look younger and going to look more like yourself. Um, so, I mean, it's amazing that you've been able to help people in this way. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it, that we um, patients go, go and get filler and, and get things done to look younger, but it yeah. actually makes them look older. So interesting. And when we wipe that away, it actually makes them look so much younger. And when you say about the dissolving, it, it's actually an instant sense of pressure release for mm. some people because when the lips in particular are so overfilled they're really really tight mm, right. and when you dissolve them the patients will often say it feels like the pressure is gone it's like a popping of a balloon almost in that it's like ah oh, mm. the tissue is less tight it feels better and I really educate my patients that they're going to feel like a little raisin for for a good couple of weeks and and try to be patient and and work through it because mm. it gets better. So would you mind, um, Kelly, maybe, um, so obviously we know um, what, what we mean by dissolving, but for people that are maybe listening who are not quite sure what we're referring to, I guess firstly, um, what is the process of dissolving filler? What, what do you use and, and sort of like how long does it take? Is it painful? And, you know, as you say, it, it, mm. it's instant, but maybe just take us back to basics of how that works. 
definitely. So um, when you have filler, we need to make sure that you don't have any allergies to bees because the drug that we use to dissolve your filler has a little bit of a cross-reactivity with bees. So if all is well medically, we make up this drug called hyaluronidase and what it does is it dissolves hyaluronic acid. Now, one of the things is that hyaluronic acid is present in all of your tissues. Um, so it will dissolve your natural hyaluronic acid as well as the dermal filler hyaluronic acid, but your own natural hyaluronic acid will bounce back. So it's a matter of having a really good look, finding where the unwanted filler is. And I don't think you need to dissolve all filler all the time. You only need to dissolve the filler that is doesn't look nice or it doesn't sit well or is perhaps a little bit over full so we can selectively target but the drug itself will dissolve a little bit more than what we want so we have to be mindful of that and then we have to just really be patient that it's going to dissolve our own hyaluronic acid which will eventually be rebuilt over a couple of weeks and i've found personally it's around about that one week where the dissolving agent really kicks in so we see an immediate result, but over the following week, there's a big change in the hyaluronic acid and then our own natural stuff reaches an equilibrium. In terms of pain, look, that's a very individual thing. I think there's ways in which us as injectors can make it less painful in the way we dissolve our dissolving agent, <laughs> um, the way we make up the dissolving agent, I should say, mm -hmm. and how we inject it. I use a lot of ice. I use a vibrating device, slow and steady injections. It's not as painful as people think if it's done gently and carefully, mm. but definitely a really good treatment. I didn't find it painful when I had it done. I had one. Li I had a little bruise on either side where it was injected under the eye, but I didn't find it painful yeah. personally. And what are the most common areas that you dissolve? Is it the lips or are you doing a variety mm, absolutely. of areas. You know what? I'm dissolving a lot of lips and tear troughs at the moment. Tear troughs, I think, um, are multifaceted and a lot of injectors are filling the wrong types of tear troughs with possibly the wrong product in the wrong layer of tissue. Mm. So I think so there's a little bit of <laughs> education out there that needs to happen. And, you know, we all look better as humans with natural contours. Tear troughs are a natural part of our anatomy we need to have them or we look a little weird. Mm -hmm. yeah. So dissolving lots and lots of tear troughs and lips in particular, because I personally am not a fan of the Russian technique and those types of overly tented lips. I think it moves outside of the lip border with the muscle movement quite significant. And yeah, we're seeing some really bad lips out there, which is just a real shame. Yeah, there are some shocking ones. That's definitely. Is that for you, Kelly? The same, oh, like in terms so many of lips. Yeah. I mean, we dissolved two last week. I think really. Just, and more and more and more and more young girls. I mean, I dissolved someone. She was mm. twenty-one the other day, and it was fabulous because she just looked so beautiful, and we were able to create this beautiful, sophisticated lip and. You know, her mum was really happy and thankful. Because oh, she's you know. looking like herself again, yeah, right? As yeah. you say, this is a, this is all the topic of the episode, right? It's like how to make them look more like themselves. Yes, again. but then I think okay, so we're talking about perception drift here. I think some just some really bad lips done on a twenty-one-year-old is is one hundred percent the injector error that in this particular case. But when you've got someone who maybe has been having injectables, Kelly, for 10, 15 years and just slowly but surely the, the drift and the change has happened. Mm. You know, do you have any sort of tips for preventing or like what can a consumer do if they're kind of looking in the mirror, not feeling like themselves and just not 
sure, like like your patient, I mean, she obviously was mm-hmm. lucky enough to find you, but, you know, can we give people some tips for the types of conversations they can have with their, their injectors if they can't see you or me? Yeah. I mean, obviously the best option would be to see a Kelly because we <laughs> do a great job. <laughs> um, but barring that, look, I think that we have to accept that we are going to age and that filler and our toxins and all of the tools in our toolbox are not going to stop the aging process. So we have to get to a point where we allow ourselves to have some lines and wrinkles and that we can't get rid of everything. I think one of the reasons that contributes to the perception drift is that constantly chasing every Mm. tiny little line to stop aging completely. So that would be my first thing. Um, I would see an injector who is willing to say no to you. Um, And maybe the fact that people have this perception that they need to get their fillers done every 12 months or it disappears. But we know now that filler does stick around for a lot longer, particularly tear troughs. And I do believe lips stick around for years and years as well. So tear troughs will often be there for 10, 12 years sometimes. And I think lips will stick around for, you know, four or five years on some people. So being seeing an injector who will objectively assess you and say, look, no, I think your lips are great at the moment. Let's just mm-hmm. leave well alone and, and we'll check in in six to 12 months time. Because there's too many injectors that will just say, yes, let's do them sure. because you yeah. asked me for them. Yeah. Or unfortunately, some people will just want to take your money and some people just aren't educated enough to know that that's not the right way to treat that particular ageing concern or part mm. of your anatomy. And so they don't have more tools in their toolbox to holistically treat your face and your ageing. Uh, okay, so we've spoken through the dissolving process I love that we said, you know, (laughs) you don't have to chase every line. I think that was the perfect thing for you to say because I'm constantly having that conversation. They get so hung up on like nasal labial and I'm not talking about folds. I'm just talking about the tiny little line there. And I'm always saying to my patients, if you didn't have that little bit of extra skin pull, you wouldn't be able to smile. Like your face needs to move. But it's like you say, like alienization is like removing those markers that are supposed to be on your face. Like you say, like it's normal to have a little bit of a tear trough, a dent under the eye. It's normal to have mm-hmm. this line, you know, that connects this corner of your mouth to, to the side of you of your nose, that like your nasal labial fold. So, and even some expression, I mean, I, I know... You know, it was at one point in time, it was very popular for anti-wrinkle injection, or I can say Botox, to have a frozen upper face. And I think now we're seeing less and less of that. I mean, I would say, I mean, that's an assumption I make just looking at the people around me and my friends. But as injectors, are you seeing more of a shift over the time that you've been injecting and treating patients in terms of people wanting to have frozen versus a little bit of movement and a more natural look? I feel like we've maybe come around the corner from the frozen overdone anti-wrinkle injections, but we're we're getting rid of all the lines with filler. We're obsessed with particularly (laughs) that nasolabial fold. And I keep telling people, it's actually part of your anatomy. It's a ligament there for a reason. Mm. And we can't get rid of everything completely. But the other thing people need to understand is every time we do a filler injection, we're adding volume to your face. Regardless if we're filling up a crease, we're adding volume to an area that didn't have volume. And as we age, the fat pads are dropping down. So 
the fold, it's folding over top of your nasolabial fold. And then we're going to add volume to that area. So we're going to make it look bigger and bigger and bigger over time. So, you know, we have to consider that extra volume on your face and whether or not that's going to be a good look for you. So people I think just we have to up, be very yeah. clever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Striking that right balance. And, um, so maybe I know that it's a big topic. Um, it's difficult to kind of cover off as a point in this episode, but maybe we could just touch on, you know, the fact that um, how body dysmorphia might play into this particular issue from a patient's point of view. Yeah, I just thought it might be an interesting conversation to have. And this is all a little bit theoretical, of course, and we're definitely not psychologists, but I think body dysmorphia is a very big thing in our um in our industry, and there are studies that that show that cosmetic patients are more likely to have um, body dysmorphia than the general population, a much higher rate of body dysmorphia in people who seek cosmetic treatments. So we see more of them than, say, you know, a hairdresser might or something like that. So, you know, I wanted to have a conversation hypothetically about the chicken or the egg. Do you think that body dysmorphia is the the, if someone has body dysmorphia, they are more likely to have perception drift or could that perception drift have caused body dysmorphia because they don't look like themselves anymore and they're chasing something that they don't know what they're chasing anymore? I know, it's a big question. Mm, that's a big <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, that's a really big question. I, I, I don't know. I actually, I actually believe that body dysmorphia among particularly my client base is quite low. I think that um, majority of my patients probably don't have body dysmorphia. They're more, they don't have a, a good understanding of the industry and what is achievable. Mm. I think people have an unrealistic expectation of what we can achieve with our one miller filler in a syringe. They feel that it can achieve a facelift type outcome, which it can't. Um, but in terms of the body dysmorphia, I think the availability, the accessibility and possibly the financial price point now of cosmetic injectables is possibly driving a little bit of the body dysmorphia rise in that it's easier for people to access. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that there's possibly a lot more perception drift as a concept within the injectors themselves, particularly those that have been in the industry for a long time. Mm. I think those of us that have been doing it for a long time that are constantly mm. exposed to things that are given the opportunity to get on the bed and be the model every five minutes, we tend to lose um, sight of our own normal over a period yeah. of time. And maybe that's what's happening to our customers, our patients that have been coming to us for a long time. Mm. I think it's more perception drift of their new normal than actually a psychological illness, yeah, personally. I'm, I would agree with that, but I would agree with that based on my patients and maybe your patients. And I know that, you know, after eight and a bit years of my clinic, I've got myself into a situation which I like. I have a yeah. reputation. I have a reputation of saying no. I know that there are people yeah. who have spoken out there in the community about how they won't go to Kelly George because Kelly George won't do a full meal in my lips in one hit or Kelly George will probably say no to that. And that's fine by me because I have, I have a beautiful, beautiful client base of people that just completely trust um, what I sort of suggest and, and they know and they enjoy the fact that I will say no sometimes. Like you said, even if they come back for, at that 12 months for their lips and I say, it's, it hasn't gone anywhere yet. You're still fine. Let's leave it. Let's give it six months and see where it goes. So 
I don't know whether or not maybe you're in the same boat that we've we've created this environment where we we mm-hmm. now attract a certain type of patient, but possibly maybe. a laser clinics might have a much higher rate of the, the younger girls who uh, who do have a little bit of body dysmorphia because of the social media side of things, and they just go mm-hmm. there and then they're told yes, and then they find themselves in this situation and maybe come and see us 10 years down the track and, and I go, do think I don't know there where are I went certain, wrong. Particularly in the big cities yeah. like Sydney, there are certain doctors who are known for a certain aesthetic. Yeah. And I think like what we would define maybe as an overfilled look is uh, is an aesthetic that some people want. And so I'm interested to get your opinion on that as well in that, um, that maybe, you know, really big lips and, um, you know, the big cheeks, that kind of like almost overdone or what we might define as overdone, but it's something that is an in, in desired intended aesthetic with a certain group of patients. How do you manage that? Like you may not be seeing the patients, but do you feel that that is a problem because it's, you know, is that freaking people out in terms of getting treatments if they're looking at yeah. that and thinking, that's how I'm going to look if I have fillers. Yeah, 100%. And I do think that there's probably certain suburbs or certain areas mm. that are more um, have more of a reputation for that overfilled look and the bigger yeah. lips. I mean, certainly I'm from Brisbane, so the Gold Coast is quite well yeah. known for <laughs> a particular look. And yeah. I know that certain parts of Sydney, it's the same. So I think that, people are seeing that more and more. And what I notice in training, when some of the models come in, they will say, please don't give me those big duck lips. Yeah. I don't want to look overfilled. It, if I had a dollar for every person who told me I don't want duck lips, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think that's part of the, the client base that I see in my clinic and in a lot of the training clinics is they don't want the overfilled look. But I do agree with Kelly in that the people that are attracted to me as a clinician are generally sort of my age group and a little bit older. We have more of a natural aesthetic. So it's it's probable that I'm not seeing mm. the BDD cohort of patients yeah. or I'm not seeing the people that want the overdone look. And I think if they don't have a psychological illness and they want to look overdone, just because I don't like it, who am I to yeah. say they can't have that? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm born yeah. on that. But yeah. I do pride myself in educating the people I train not to unintentionally yeah. deliver those results. So to understand anatomy and how the filler will play within the anatomy and particularly the way the filler is made and where it should be placed is a big thing in in creating these overfilled faces. I I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of it's it's an intention and a desire to look a certain way. And I think, like you say, it's just the patient having control and making an informed decision. And if they're coming for a natural enhanced aesthetic, then Yeah, not not everybody who wants really big lips has body dysmorphia. Yes. And not... Everybody who has body dysmorphia wants really big lips. Yes. So, (laughs) you know. All right. So, guys, there's been so much um, great discussion around the ethics of injecting and also um, I hope people who are listening who may have been worried about, um, you know, whether they're not quite looking like themselves after, and particularly if you've been having treatment for, you know, as you say, 10, 15 years, um, uh, you know, find somebody that you trust to confide in and and to discuss because um, there are options and in dissolving, like you say, is sometimes, and even if it's not, when you're not saying dissolve your whole face, yeah. it may just be, like you say, a little bit here and there. 
Um, find an injector who's confident to do it and experienced with in, with dissolving. Yeah. Would would that be your tip for patients? And and so should patients ask their injector? Do you have experience dissolving or are I mean, we yeah. assuming that everybody does? <laughs> no, I definitely think it is. I mean, I've had so many... I, I, I actually had to dissolve someone... I don't know, a couple of months ago. I don't know time anymore, but a couple of months ago. <laughs> and they actually went back to the injector who um, did it. And it, so it wasn't um, an emergency situation, but it was a very clear tear trough placed in the wrong spot. Just wasn't good. Went back to the injector and the injector said, I don't have any. So um, I recommend you go to oh. Kelly. Yeah. So this wow. is this is a person injecting dermal filler and doesn't even have any and dissolving solution. And you think solution. that people should? I mean, in case there's a severe mm. adverse event, the, the injectors should have it on dissolving hand. policy protocol. Yeah. Just, I think that's a reasonable question. Absolutely. I, I think that safety is the number one priority and we know that, you know, things can happen with filler. They're, this dissolving agent is our um, the adrenaline of our world in terms of when something mm. goes wrong. So they should know how to use it, how to make it up and, and the things that can go wrong when we use it. So for me, the the issue isn't the dissolving, is that you can realistically have an anaphylactic reaction yes. to the dissolving agent. So we must know that our injectors are capable of handling that and have a contingency plan if that were to occur. Um, the, I recently dissolved this absolutely gorgeous girl's lips and tear trough, and I swear she looked about 10 years younger afterwards, but she had had her lips dissolved a couple of times before and hadn't got a really good result. So we know that certain types of filler take different amounts of dissolving, and and there's certain ways in which we need to dissolve. So I'm not really sure why she didn't get a great result the first time, but certainly ask your injector what is their experience with dissolving and if you're an injector and you're out there and you don't know how to do it seek out people who do training like myself but who people who do training in these types of things and get educated and be prepared for any eventuality because it will make you a better injector it'll be safer oh, for your clients i mean i would just i can't even imagine putting filler in someone's face without having highlights in the in the clinic and mm. knowing how to use it too yeah you know we have an emergency oh, kit in every room in my clinic and we don't even inject in every room but it's there just in case on the off chance <laughs> we do have to and then we have to emergency mm. dissolve there's an epi pen there there's everything so, all right I mean, so it's good crazy. questions to ask your injector yeah. all right okay, okay so look, sassy minute sassy minute time time for the fun stuff so here is a um so first of all we're going to do the rapid fire sassy minute so Ooh, you have to pick okay. we're going to give you two options and, and it's forever forever right so you can only have one of these things for the rest of your life so you've got to pick so i'll, I'll okay. ask the rapid fire and then i'm going to pass over to kelly for the next one so rapid fire would you rather for the rest of your life wear bright red lipstick or a smoky eyeliner for the rest of your life so every single day <laughs> you have to have it Eyeliner. Oh, nice. nice. Good choice. Good choice. Um, next one. Would you rather have to wash your hair every single day or oh. only be allowed to wash your hair once a month? Oh, <laughs> every day, I think. I yeah. know, but it's such every a day. hassle, isn't it? Oh, it is. But the oily, <laughs> yeah. gritty, yuck. Yeah. You'd, yuck. Hate, you'd hate your hair for 28 days a month. I know, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and uh, I can only rock a bun for a couple of days yeah. in a row. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you going to do for the rest of the month if you're like getting up the hats and things? Okay, and yeah. how about this one? All right, so, so would you rather for the rest of your life, you can only have one, have anti-wrinkle injections 
or dermal filler? Which one are you picking? Anti-wrinkle injections, 100%. <laughs> same, same. I'd give up to filler so for aligned. most things, I think. I think so. I think yeah, so. All definitely. Right, last one, would you rather laser devices or PRP? Oh, I love a laser device. I don't have one, unfortunately, so I'm going to have to say PRP, but I would love a laser device. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> Kelly said that PRP was, in her opinion, and that one of the underrated, Ooh. most underrated treatments she wished more people would do. So yeah. I love PRP. Yes. So I love that you're aligned Great with treatment. that. All right, so Kelly, over to you. Okay, and then I've got three things here, and you've got to just give me a yay or a nay. So basically, okay. if you had $400 in your pocket, would you spend it on what I'm about to ask you? LED okay. face mask. An at-home one. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Do you have one? I don't. I have one in the clinic. But a face mask or a... A proper oh, in-clinic no, device. A... Yeah, no. So yeah, an actual yeah. face yeah. mask, an at-home one. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't actually think they're as good as they're made yeah, out to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Yeah, no, not that the device so is we've in got, clinic are we've, fine. We've actually we've got a whole episode on this, so we we think that the, the in clinic devices are fine. It's it's in the at home masks. <laughs> I tell people that their four hundred dollar LED is got nothing on my five thousand dollar clinic exactly. one or the twenty six thousand dollar one down the road. Exactly. exactly. Uh, okay, an at home dermal roller. No. <laughs> Excellent. We can't be friends if you had to said yes to that. <laughs> uh, and a hydrofacial treatment. Oh, love. Yes. You do? Have you, I do. Do you have them regularly? I don't, unfortunately. I used to, um, but I haven't for a long time. What but is, I do, do love you, them. Yeah. What do you like about yeah. them? Um, I just think it's like... Um, a softer, more gentler microdermabrasion and you just feel nice and clean. Your skin yeah. feels clean afterwards. Nice to have. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting because nice we did an episode on it and um, we kind of we kind of smashed Ooh. them. But um, Ooh, you're the second okay. person today to say that you like it as a no, feel-good treatment. We smashed them in the, yes. in the if you had to do six of them for a total expense of $3,000 for acne, oh, there no. are other things that you could do. Like if you used it yes. as indi- – if you were treated as indicated or as they say you have to at the prices that people charge in Sydney – it was smashed mm. on the fact that there are other things you could do for a lot less that would give you the same results. That's but I think what I'm hearing is it's a beautiful add-on treatment as a feel-good yes. add-on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then I, the... I think it's a beautiful luxury treatment when you want a pamper session. Yes. I don't know that it's active. I think there are other things that would get yeah, you better yeah. results with skin conditions. Yeah. Okay. Last one. This is a kiss, marry, block. You know how to play this game? Oh, yes. <laughs> so much enthusiasm. Sorry, I've given you nice people. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, Chris Hemsworth and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, God, that's a hard one. I know, because they're all nice. <laughs> Marry Chris, Chris Hemsworth, mm. kiss Ryan Reynolds, block Keanu. Oh, yeah, Keanu. I, yeah, I reckon that's the I know, way I'd I go as well. Him. I loved him back in the day. But, yeah, I'd still go know. the other two, actually. Yeah, <laughs> right. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, what about I mean, 1980s speed. Keanu? Oh, but that's not what you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I should have. All right. I uh, think Keanu from Speed 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah. Oh, um, well, KB, thank you so much for coming on Skin and Sass. It's been, like, really informative and I think, like, I hope that people have taken something from it and I think that we've covered some really important topics today. So thank you both, Kellys. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> um, great nails, by the way. I was just thinking your mine. nails are a bit ashy. Yes. Look at you. Excellent. <laughs> Very on trend. And, Kelly, if people want to find out more about you and your clinic, um, where would they go? I'm just mostly on Instagram, KB yep. Aesthetics with a X at the end. Um, and my website is www.kbaesthetics.com. And if you're listening from Brizzy, get yourself along. See Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down. Thank you so much <laughs> Thanks, for coming Kelly. on to Skin and Sass. We really appreciate it. Bye. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.